What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And we are discussing the penultimate episode for A Discovery of Witches, Season 3, Episode 6. And when I tell you, I hooted and hollered and cheered throughout this whole episode. There was so much going on, so much to be pleased about. I loved it. And before we get started, I'm going to have to read Anthony's and Michael's screen names. Anthony's screen name says Colors of the Wind. (laughs) Fucking awesome, dude. And Mike's says Aesthetically Pleasing. And I think both of those refer to the same specific event, which I want to just go ahead and mention and get it out the way. And then we'll talk about it in depth. Wait, 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 wait. Allow me. Ding dong, the witch is dead, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. He finally fucking motherfucker. got what was coming to him, oh. and it was so fucking pleasing. It was beautiful. It was poetic. It, it was, was literally poetic. It, like, it, was, it was beautiful. It, it touched my heart. Really. I heard Mike's voice in my head when it happened. I was like, chef's kiss. They did Perfection. that so Perfection. perfectly. Yes. And I just, I knew we had to get that out the way because that was like the big moment in the show. But I was like, I know all of us were so happy that that happened. It was better than the book because in the book, it's just Diana. Let me tell you. Yes. When Sarah started doing those hand motions, Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, she's doing the same stuff. Like, I was like, is she about to do some higher magic? Because it reminded me of the stuff that Emily was doing. And right, I was like, right. oh, this is about to be good. You said, and- I have a spell. <laughs> That's all she had to say. Oh, but when he geez. called them, when he called them peasants or, 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 he was, he, he was throwing shade. Okay. You want to talk about talking shit? You realize that she's probably had that spell in her head ever since M died. She's been thinking about that spell. Mm-hmm. She's been thinking about how am I going to do it? How would I do it? Yeah, that one's perfect. And she's been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And when she finally got a chance to do it, I mean, it's like literal windbender shit. Like I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck yeah. I think the only thing that would have made that scene more perfect for me is if along with Diana went when Sarah's strength started to give out and Diana went and placed her hand to give her like some of her magic. If we could have seen Emily somewhere in there, Mm, also like Rebecca giving her. Yes. That would have been so perfect to see them give that strength to Sarah so that she could get rid of him. But I mean, I loved it because, you know, I've said it the whole time. I really wanted Sarah to be the one to give it to Knox and yeah. we got it and I'm pleased, but yeah, it would have made it a little more emotional if we could have seen those things. I, you know, and I, I'm have thinking, y'all, have y'all seen the new Ghostbusters afterlife movie? Not no, yet. not no. yet. Okay. Then I won't say what I was going to say because it's kind of a spoiler, but, but yeah, there, there's a, there's a scene in it that's kind of speaking to what you were just saying. So yeah. it's like, I mean, it would have just been like, oh man, I, I know what you're saying, and I agree. It probably should have done something like that. That would have been, but 
I'm good with how it ended because first of all, he came up there looking like he's coming off a three day bender, a three week bender from Vegas, like shirt with his shirt untucked. all out and his hair all wild. I'm like, really? How are you? How are you intimidating anybody? And it's like, then she started doing it, and then like at the end, oh, the only thing, I would, I just wish that they would have that one of them would have just stepped on the rock and crushed it or like picked it up and crushed it. Mm-hmm. And that would just been a perfect period at the end of Knox's sentence. But I was but waiting I, for but, that when they oh, rolled, yeah. o- rolled off. I thought someone's going to just step on it when they walked by. I did too. I was like, that would be perfect. I feel like it was one of those things where they probably looked at and was like, oh, that thing is insignificant without him now. So they didn't even pay it as like the main, the main thing they needed to do was to get rid of Peter Knox. That ball probably, I mean, if you think about it, it's nothing without him and he was nothing without it. So it was just kind of like, okay, whatever. But so so is Dana now an amplifier? I don't think she's an amplifier. Mm. I just think that she just kind of Gave that little nudge. No, I was just trying to uh, give a wink and a nod to uh, our other show. Yeah, but that was so satisfying. So satisfying. But okay, let's talk about how we got to that point. So going back to the top of the episode, we start out with Matthew driving down a long highway and we see a little bit of kind of like, I guess him not necessarily flashing back, but him kind of having a memory of that morning when he looks at Diana and the twins and he leaves set tour, presumably to go after Benjamin. Wait, wait, wait. Um, for, for a moment, that introduction of this episode bothered me. Like it was nothing but, but music and landscapes. And I was like, am I watching another CW show? Like, can we, can we have something of substance, like some dialogue? There was so much like wasted time. In, in this thing where we don't have but seven episodes and you spend all that time with him driving the stupid car. I thought it was a car commercial. Oh, I was geez. fully expecting to see um, all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey rolling up. <laughs> see, I actually like the beginning of the episode because, because it kind of shows the it shows the bond that Matthew and Diana have with each other like they didn't have to say words like they knew that he was going on this very we, we, dangerous we know, what, we know their bond we know what their bond is we've seen their bond this whole show him sniffing her clothes and you know her giving him her blood I mean we've seen it I don't I don't need Matthew McConaughey riding around in his nice car that long it wasn't it, it, it was long it was it, it was felt, not it felt long it was it not long. but you but know that's all i wanted to, that's all i wanted to say about that but you know also too that could have just been symbolism for okay this is you know this is something that is hella important hella huge this might be something matthew may not come back from And you know how it is when you're going to do something that you are dreading doing or something that you're not looking forward to, how those minutes can stretch and seem long. That could have just been symbolism for that. You remember the Oscar, the Oscar moment when they did 
the um what was it the uh dramatic pauses yes <laughs> I remember. that's what i kept feeling like <laughs> it was just this long dramatic pause i understand but, yeah, that's neither here nor there i just wanted to get that off my chest yeah <laughs> so anyway i was I was editing our episode five show earlier today, and I was listening to some of the things that we were saying, especially in regard to Marcus and the Knights of Lazarus and all of that. And it's so funny because we were talking about the fact that uh, it was the discussion where I was asking whether or not Matthew was trying to say that Galaglass could leave the, you know, leave the family if something happened to him. And we had that little discussion about Marcus being in charge of the Knights of Lazarus. And I was like, Marcus can't even, you know, he, he couldn't even handle it the first time, blah, blah, blah. So it was so funny to me that in this episode, right after we see Matthew take off, Diana is facing the fireplace and she was like i just want everyone to understand what this is about to be and marcus is like i think everybody should stay in place until matthew deals with benjamin and she's like i'm going to retrieve the book this is what matthew and i agreed on and that's final i was like see marcus can't even like assert authority right there because diana was like "Uh, uh-uh, let me tell you what's about to happen and he couldn't do anything but go along with it because who's about to argue with Diana? I just thought that was so funny. Like Marcus is like, everybody's going to stay put until Matthew comes back. And Diana's like, y'all can stay put. I'm going to Oxford because I need to put together this book of life. And he's like, I think the book of life can wait. It's waited for 400 years. What, what the fuck have we been doing if that's the case? What was the whole point of her going through everything to get the pages, TJ Weston dying, Emily dying, just for him to say, no, let's stay put. Marcus, if you don't go sit your ass down. (laughs) That's how I felt watching that. My friend, you just said that perfectly because, yeah, exactly. I mean, playing devil's advocate, maybe. I mean, there's a certain point where Marcus is just like, okay, I know I've been fucking around for most of my hundreds of years of life. But now things are serious. I got to take control. But he's just not doing, he's, it's just really bad timing. Like he did not read the room as far as Diana was concerned. Like he, he must not realize that, you know, she has the pages. She's ready to put that shit together. Like there's nothing that's going to stop her. It's like, you know how much pain, just like you said, you know how much pain, suffering and death has been caused just getting three pages for that stupid book. And now you're saying you're telling her to hold tight and not do anything and, and wait. She's like, wait, man, waiting's over. I got I got the pages. We put this shit together. We're figuring this shit out. Like then, but then he did make a, a smart leadership decision and told Fernando to go do something, which mm-hmm. was very important. So. Yeah, but uh-huh. something tells me Fernando was probably gonna go do that anyway. Yeah, I don't know because good. Fernando didn't seem too hot on the idea. Fernando, it was Fernando's idea for him to leave anyway. He's, he's the one that was trying to get him to be to see that, you know, Mark, you you you're you're done. Like you know, you don't have to keep stay around here because it's just going to get weird. And I get that, but I also think that Fernando knows with a task this important, Galloglass needs to be around, especially given yeah. that Matthew is not there to protect Diana. Not that she needs Matthew there. But even the strongest person needs backup. Right. And I think I I really feel like Fernando would have done that regardless. 
you know, he probably would have been like, yo, so we about to hit Oxford. Need you to come through and, you know, just kind of help out a little bit. But I was glad to see Gallo Glass come back. And, you know, I think it was so funny. I think one of the things that I saw on Twitter, somebody posted. And the only thing they said was he called her auntie. And I was like, yep, that was his his resignation. Like, okay, you know what? I can't be with her, but I can still be in her life. And I just have to accept it for what it is. Because when he so called he her auntie. really got to see the um, infamous tattoos too. Yeah, I had a I had to rewatch earlier because I when I watched I was telling Hanukkah early it was dark because the sun comes in the office I couldn't see because I I wanted to see what it was gonna be so seeing that was awesome having her say auntie but yeah I I literally never rewatch anything except for when we do the shows so this is an exception because I was like I need to see the fire drink. Yeah, I wish we could have seen it like completed, completed yep, because yep. we saw when the tattoo artist was about to redraw it and then fernando walks in and he's like give me a minute did you see the look on the tattoo artist's face she was oh, like she, excuse me like <laughs> i'm just about to get started like i have the ink in the pen i was literally going in and you're like give me a second and then you put on your your shirt and you go outside and chances are he never got it done because he's standing in the square waiting for diana you know not too long after that so you know but i'm i'm glad to see him back i'm glad to see him doing what he's supposed to do and diana's joy at seeing him like i know it's kind of probably weird for her as well but still she has a lot i think she has a lot of love and respect for gallo glass just as a person and as family so for him to be with her when she went to go retrieve the books and to kind of, you know, be there to help protect and everything. I, I think that was a full circle moment. And I appreciated them putting that there. You know, he's yeah, not just about, Oh, let me go pine after her. Okay. No, let me sit here. Let me protect my family. And I mean, even the conversation he had with Fernando, he was like, I'm done being at the De Claremont's beck and call. And Fernando was like, well, then don't do it for them. Do it because of the person I know you to be. Gallo Glass, you know, I've said it before, I have issues with the way they've written him this season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have problems with is the fact that Gallo Glass left when he did, you know, don't blame him for leaving, understand why he left, but to leave when they were in a vulnerable position, that never sat right with me because I feel like Gallo Glass, even though he has had his issue with the declaremonts. Like I said, he and Matthew were close. And I feel like both of them, even with the complications now, would do anything for each other. So to see him and Fernando standing there, you know, standing guard outside the bot while Diana puts together the book, I loved it. Not to mention the shot of the two of them standing together. I mean, I, I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, shout out to the portrayal of them, like, listening to everybody's conversation and, like, trying to pick out, like, bad points in the conversation. So I thought that was really cool because they were, like, from friendly, they're like, okay, cool, we'll see you later. Then they were, like, instantly, like, on Watchdog, like, listening here, here, group. What's that? What's that? I was like, okay, that's cool as shit. Well, well Gallo Glass has been doing it for all her Forever. life. <laughs> like, 40 years, yeah. Yeah, right. 
So yeah. he, he's oh. an expert at that. Yeah, it was cool. But let let let's can we back up for just a teeny, teeny tiny second here? I want to point out the greatest hustle that Diana Bishop could possibly have and didn't know that she had the duplicating of the library car. Man, driver's license, report cards, SAT score, goal mine side hustle. I'm saying shout out to her for being a forgery specialist. Know, like right. damn. <laughs> Like she just she was making everything like oh. imagine how easy it would be for the leverage guys to have her on the team. Oh right? god, they would lose yeah. themselves. They would go nuts. This is this is right for a crossover. Like I need this crossover now. Like her her and Parker. Oh my god. I'm I'm like hundred percent for that shit. Like hundred percent. I'm all in. That would be that would be so awesome. But yeah, no, I had to point that out because I thought that was like brilliant. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Like you shady? Look at you. Hey, Diana was like, I gotta do what I gotta do. It's time to go put this book back together and I need my auntie with me. And you know, when Sarah said to her, she said, Are you sure you're ready to do this? You know, Peter Knox will be waiting for you and stuff. Diana was like, Let them come. I was like, Yeah, Diana's like, I'm done playing games with y'all. Come after me if you want. Like Diana went to the 1500s and she came back a boss bitch. You hear me? Oh, yeah. But here's the funny thing. One, going back to the bot, I'm kind of disappointed that Sean wasn't there, mm. even though, you know, I don't know what happened to him after the first season, after the whole thing with Peter Knox. Maybe he quit working at the bot and was like, you know what? Nah, I'm He's not. I'm, I'm not about to risk my life for whatever it is that a library person makes over there, because I know they don't make a lot over here. So he was probably like, this is one of the plot points in the book that I that I didn't like is that once we saw him initially, he never shows up again, mm. ever. So we don't know what happened to him. See, this is what I this is one of my again. I've got a whole thing prepared for after, but this is what I think. She she drops tiny things that people like us want to know. What happened to the library assistant? Mm-hmm. We never find out. Yeah. But so you're saying you're, you're saying he was a Lafayette that stayed a Lafayette and just like disappeared when he was supposed to. Don't do not get me started on Lafayette. <laughs> Let's not. No, Let's not. No. Mm-mm. Let's not. But um, I find it funny that now every time Diana goes to the library, whether the whether the librarians are creatures or not, they're all looking at her like, "What the hell is she doing?" Because both times that she has been in the library in the last couple of episodes, she's put up that barrier spell, and the librarian is looking at her like, "Something don't seem right about her," but I can't place my finger on it because she's sitting there like in the first time she was sitting there you could see her turning the pages and it looked like she was reading this time it just it almost looked like she and sarah were just frozen when the librarian was looking at her and i'm like yeah diana's still causing disturbances in the library and they don't even know what the disturbance is but you know that librarian had to she was like hold up, first of all, I told you this book wasn't here. And then all of a sudden, did you see how she looked at Ashmo 782 yeah. when it showed up in the list? She was like, the fuck kind what of sorcery is this? Come, come on now, Hanukkah. You worked in the library. You know you have a heightened sense of people when they be up to no good. Yeah, I know. But it's like there's so many other people there in the library and they're just looking directly at Diana like, what is she yeah, see, doing? Diana- that's Diana doing her best David Blaine. It's like, you know, like, doesn't the car's not there? It's like, look again. 
Like, whoa! <laughs> That's all, all, all this business was like some people just running around like, whoa! Whoa! But then right. why do you see in the line of sight of the librarian anyway? Why why didn't they go to like the back corner? That was my question as well. I couldn't understand that. But because I she, guess because she could put a bubble up. She yeah, that's bubble. what I was gonna say. Cause she couldn't I'm necessarily just... do that first season when she was there. Right. And you know, and of course, the first season she didn't know what was gonna happen with 782 when she called it up. Now I think she was probably more prepared for something to happen. And she was just kind of like, okay, you know what? Let me sit here because if she needed to make a quick exit, it will be easier for her to do that from the front of the library as opposed to going into the back where could be other creatures. Think about the last time she was in the bot. She was (laughs) surrounded by other creatures. She was surrounded (laughs) by Peter Knox, you know, huh? It could have been Peter Knox hiding in the one of the reading rooms or something. Right. So I, I think it was, you know, line of sight. Like, okay, if I need to, there's the exit right there. You see, after what happened with, the, you know, her literally absorbing the contents of the book, Sarah was like, yeah, we need to go. And I think it probably... I don't know the way that she was after she absorbed the contents, you know, she was just kind of like staring off in the space. Like, I don't know if she was seeing things that the book was showing her and she was just kind of spacing out, but I don't think that if, I don't know. I feel like she was there, but not there in that moment. Like she was absorbing everything that was going on with her right then. And if Peter Knox had showed up right then and there, I think it might have been a little bit difficult because she was she was trying to figure out what was going on. You know, she I don't know how the book reacts with her, but we can tell that she was staring off in the space when she was reading the first contents, when she was talking about this is the book of us. And it, it basically tells the story of the creatures, I'm assuming, because she never specified us except to say they were two hearts that became one. But I feel like if Peter Knox had come in right there, he probably would have been able to do something because she was a little distracted, you know, which again is a good thing that she had Sarah and Fernando and Gallo Glass there with her because they would have been able to protect her if something had happened and she was not, I don't want to say in her right mind, but you know, she was too distracted and wasn't able to do what she needed to do at the moment. You know, she got kind of sucked in and just like, you know, just oblivious to everything that's going on around her. And, like you know, just I mean, because like she literally, literally absorbed everything from that book into her. So it's like, she, I mean, that has to take a toll on her. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's like when you I mean, I try not to think about it too, too hard. but I'm like, OK, she absorbed the blood written written script off of the skin stretched pages and i was like that's kind of gross you know i didn't even think about it like that (laughs) i mean it's kind of like you know i mean it does make your skin crawl so to speak but yeah it probably makes it transfer easier from from skin to skin Mm, could be but 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 yeah it's like i mean it was kind of i mean even when if knox would have gotten it 
it's like the book the when you like you saw when they flipped it the pages were empty like there's nothing in the book anymore it's like it's all in diana so even if he would have gotten the ash mold it wouldn't have done him any good because there's right. nothing in there yeah but all i have to say now is diana has absorbed the book of life and we don't know what that's gonna do but i dare anybody come after her now like i'm really i'm really waiting to see what this confrontation between her and satu is gonna be because you know there's gonna be one i'm I'm ready for it i don't think satu's ready i don't think satu fully understands how powerful she is also because she doesn't even realize that diana is powerful just thinking about what she said to Benjamin a couple of episodes ago, she said, I looked inside Diana. She has great power, but she doesn't know how to use it. Yeah. And so two yeah. things, she's the, she's the one in the uh, prophecy anyway. So. You see, look on my face. She yeah, thinks. her and her. her so I need to go sit down somewhere. Uh, okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just going to say this. Don't go around saying you're the hot shit unless you know you can handle your business what's the thing uh, was it hubris where you know you you get so full of yourself because you just know uh you might want to check that before and see if you could actually do it because i get the feeling that satu's gonna find out the hard way that she is nothing compared to what diana is and i think that she's gonna be at the point that when she and diana do meet up she's going to regret even thinking about going near diana bishop de Clermont. I mean, unless she unless she has a water a water lion as her as her familiar, she ain't gonna do no one her fire Drake. It's like well, what I agree. You yeah, do with that? yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep there ain't shit you can do. Unless and you know it's coming. Oh, you, you know, know it's oh, coming yeah. because yeah. it was bad enough when Satu was just thinking, okay, yeah, I'm the I'm the powerful witch, blah blah blah. But no, now you don't put in your lot with Benjamin. And did what you did to help Benjamin catch capture Matthew at the end? Yeah, no. Diana is about to come for that ass. Mm-hmm. Satu mm-hmm. is going to go the same way as Peter Knox, probably worse. I don't think Satu thought it through very clearly. <laughs> I don't. I don't think she thought it. She got she got taken in by Benjamin's crafty vampire wilds. But yeah, I will say because, this too because you take you take the woman's love of her life and you basically set him up to be either tortured or killed and you Drained. think that facing Diana is is you think that Diana's not going to come in there blazing guns at you mm-hmm. like she's just going to roll over even if you think you are more powerful than her you really think that emotions won't play into it like no. why, why would you set yourself up for failure like that Right. But you know, the other thing that I was thinking of, thinking about what happened at the end when Satu finally did show up, like she's thrown in her lot with Benjamin, but I don't think she realized until she was actually there what Benjamin was capable of. Because, you know, if Matthew could come in and feel what Benjamin had done to all of those girls and all of the witches, you know, Satu probably felt it 10 times more because they were witches. Well, she says as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she something, out. something tells me, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but as much as I think Satu and Diana will probably face off against each other, I think at some point 
Satu is going to realize that Diana is the superior witch. And not only that, that what Diana is doing is to protect everyone, whereas Benjamin is doing what he's doing for selfish gain. I think Satu will probably sacrifice herself to help Diana against Benjamin because I think more important to Satu than the fact of her being who she thinks she is, is the fact that Benjamin tortured witches to get to this point. I think that's going to play a factor in what happens with her in this final episode, as far as what she does with or without Diana or to, or, you know, against Diana, I think she's going to end up turning on Benjamin and that's going to help finish out Benjamin's story and, and whatever happens to him, because Satu is all about the witches at the end of the day. If you if you remember back to when we first were introduced to Satu, I had made the suggestion that she potentially could be that that character that starts out as an opposition character but turns into a um an ally. ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, we and did have that conversation. We did. Yep. And I, I think it's still sort of been kind of wasted. I still think she's sort of a wasted character because she hasn't done anything but mm-hmm. lurk in the background and, and make stupid comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to get into a discussion again about all the wasted effort in this show, but I think that she was definitely an underutilized character. Yeah, um, They could have set her, up, set her up much better than just at the last minute throwing in with Jaber and... and um, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Jabir, we get that wonderful, beautiful opening shot of him, you know, hovering behind the two demons in his office. And and you know, now we get the the grand master plan from this grand master chess player I mean, who's been putting his guy, pieces on the board man. for hundreds of years. Mm. Like, Jabir is Jabir is basically like the the supernatural equivalent of a grand wizard. And and he's treating he's treating vampires like they're like they're the KKK, and I'm just like I'm sick of it. I'm like, okay, you're next. And the other the thing about that is, did you see Domenico's face as all of this was yeah. being revealed? And it's like, you know, we've had our discussions about what may be in it for Domenico and all this other stuff, but I think we were wrong about him. He doesn't necessarily want power for himself. And he says it towards the end of this episode when he goes to Baldwin. He was like, you know, as ineffective as you were as a leader, I felt like you had everyone's best interest or at least the creature's best interest at heart. With Jaber, it's not going to be like that. Like Jaber is all about just the vampires. So, yeah, he has the demons kind of on his side right now saying, yeah, Agatha has to go because she's she's got too much allegiance to Diana. But once they serve his purpose, he's not going to need them either. And he's going to treat them the same way that he's doing everybody else. And it's not going to be an equal thing. Eventually, the vampires are going to become the dominant creature and. I know that this has been discussed in other vampire lore, but D- Jaber seems to me like he's one of those vampires who's like, okay, yeah, you know what? We're going to be in charge. And then once we're in charge, 
we don't have to hide from the humans anymore because we're the dominant species. So we can go out and we can reveal ourselves to the humans and who knows that he may be like, okay, yeah, feed to your heart's desire. Well, what happens when that happens? The human population is going to dwindle and then the vampires are going to be left without a food source and they're going to have, he's going to be the cause of their downfall anyway. And Domenico sees that Domenico is like, this is not what I want. He was like, I may have done some shady shit, but my goal has always been to protect the creatures and kind of like the integrity of the creatures. And I was like, hmm. Well, he said, he said, it was centuries I've sat in that chamber. I've always done what I thought was right. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think you realize that's not Jaber <laughs> at all. all. Jaber and his and his white vampire patriarchy. <laughs> because not only, I mean, and I, and I think Philippe, it's it's almost as if Philippe created the congregation, and his purpose was to protect everyone from the vampires. You know, it, it kind of does look that way now. Coming. I bet he saw this coming. I mean, yeah. he prob- probably saw how how hungry Gerbert was to make to make vampires like the ultimate race and to make them to make them dominant above everybody else. And he probably realized, just like you said, that if that happens, it's going to be it's going to spell doom for everything: humans, demons, witches, everybody. It's going to spell. He's, he's going to fuck everything up instead of like trying to find a way to have some kind of some type of coexistence and or, and Domenico's turn doesn't surprise me like based on the little that I know about the book if I'm not mistaken Domenico and Matthew were friends like yeah, we talked really, about that before yeah. they were best friends yeah, they were they were best friends so Matthew don't doesn't make best friends with people who are you know not actually good inside you know what I mean yeah, like mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to be the type that would just make friends with some bloodthirsty, you know, war migraine vampire. Like right. they well, were really good friends. Domenico, you know, must have been a pretty good guy. Well, the other the thing that that gets me about Domenico is that I got the impression that what he did was you know, I agree with everyone saying, but it's more than self serving or more than saying, well, the food chain. I think that he had a pretty fair amount of shock. He was uh, duped by uh, Jaber, and he mm-hmm. is embarrassed. I mean, think about it. He's rolling with this dude, you know, thinking vampires all for one, one for all, only to find out that this boy has been basically uh, Benjamin's lackey for the last five, six, seven hundred years. He feels like he got duped. And if you get duped, what you gonna do? You're gonna run tell that, like Martin Lawrence says. He's he went and told. I don't know yeah, if I feel like Jaber. Co- I don't know if I feel like Jaber is Benjamin's lackey. It's the other way around. Yeah, way around. that's how that's how I look at it. Because if you think about it, Jaber talks about how he has manipulated all of this for centuries. Like he met Benjamin, and his whole thing was, oh. Benjamin has a thing against the Declaremonts. Guess what? So do I. So how can I use this to my advantage? Like he mm. he pretty much admitted that he used Benjamin to kill Philippe or to torture okay. Philippe to the point where Philippe loses his mind. He made that, a, that admission. And I think that's when Domenico was like, oh, you really are crazy in the fucking head. 
Like mm-hmm. you killed the head of the congregation. Do you understand like the implications for that? He had Philippe kidnapped and tortured and then blamed it on the witches so that Isabel will go after the witches and cause even more dissension between the creatures. He did all of this so that the vampires would be on top. That is some diabolical shit. And yeah. I will say this too. We're going to get into more depth with him, but this is what I want to see as far as Jabert. I need for Baldwin to find out that Jabert was the one who orchestrated Philippe's death so that Baldwin can grow some balls and get rid of Jabert and give him the end that he deserves. Because when I tell you Baldwin in this episode, I was like, yeah, you know what? No respect, no nothing for Baldwin in this episode. You literally are sitting here letting Jabert tell you what he's about to do with the congregation and basically tell you, yeah, you ain't doing shit. You ain't a good leader. I'm about to handle all of this and you're going to sit to the side and let me do it. And Baldwin says, you have my support and walks out. I was like, you punk bitch. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I... I saw it a different way. I thought that, yes, Jobert thinks he's in charge, but I still say that Benjamin is the, the what, what, what is the male equivalent of head bitch in charge? Uh, head, head dog in charge? I guess he would say. I, I think it's all, I think Jobert is sort of like Knox. He's so full of himself that he doesn't realize that he's been manipulated by Benjamin. That's my take. Um, I still say Benjamin's the main bad dude. And but but back to Domenico real quick. Um, I think the for for Domenico being on the congregation, he I think he probably felt like he was at least equivalent to Jabir. And I think Jabir taking taking Venice away from him. Mm-hmm. kind of played him into Jabir's pocket because Jabir yeah. knew that whatever he does, as long as he has Venice, he can get um, Domenico on board with whatever he wanted because he knew that's what Domenico wanted. Mm-hmm. That's all Domenico wants is he wants Venice back. And he he's just dangling in front of him like a carrot. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, do this for me and you might get it, but you might get it back. You might get it back. Whoop! Gotta yeah, so but I think okay, Domenico okay, is okay. finally coming to an understanding that he he really has been manipulated these hundreds of years. Like, and I think he just is finally coming to terms of that, thinking that he was the one manipulating the situation and garnering favors and all this stuff. But the whole time he's been doing Jabir's bidding because and he wants Jabir tells him, I couldn't have done it without you, Domenico. And I think right. Domenico was like, fuck. Yeah. And he and I don't think he understood the power dynamic in the relationship because he probably could have gotten out of it if mm-hmm. he would just let go of the hope of getting Venice back. And he maybe he could have turned the situation in his favor, like, oh, you know what? I don't want it anymore. And then yeah. made Jubair come to him, but he was blind to it too. Um Baldwin, I I think Baldwin's confidence has been shattered <laughs> for the most part. And I think that's that's what his problem is. I think he, t- I think he feels like he's lost control, 
you know, he can control his family, you know, or at least Matthew's part. And and I think he's just like it's all slipping away. I, I, I just I, tell he's you resigned him resigned to the fact that he's he didn't have any control anymore. I just tell you in regards to Baldwin, and I'm not one of those people who usually harps on like actor portrayals or whatever, because everybody brings their own flavor to a part. But when you start out a character in a specific way and you build him up with certain personality quirks and, you know, just certain things that define the character. And then someone new comes in and plays him in a totally different way. Like I will say, I don't know if it's just the the writing of Baldwin or if it's the new actor. I just have not cared about Baldwin at all in this season. I feel like I, I don't know. He's just, I don't know. I just I just have not enjoyed seeing him on screen at all in this season. Like I could have done with it. They they could have written Baldwin off to be off somewhere else doing something, and I probably would have been, enjoyed it better. I just have not enjoyed him on the screen at all this this season, which sucks because even even though Baldwin was an ass the first two seasons, he's I felt like he still brought a dynamic to the story as Matthew's brother, as the head of the congregation. But like in this season, I just feel like he's just there. There's no emotion out of him. There's no, there's no anger. There's like, even during the fight scene for the last episode, it was just kind of like, oh, there's a spark. But other than that, I just, his character serves no purpose at this point. I feel like there's like, I, I when when we first started covering this show in the first that first season, I felt like there was a slight Mycroft to Sherlock relationship between Baldwin and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like they're they're both powerful, they're both smart, and they both kind of egg each other on. But at the end, you can tell that they're both each going to be there for the other one, like no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it's like there was there was some kind of connection there. And it's like, I think, and I agree with you. And I think we've said this the whole, this whole season that nobody's really feeling the new guy portraying Baldwin at all. And I kind of feel like they missed an opportunity here because this could have played out a little bit differently if Baldwin was more Mycroft-like. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like where he's more, he's smarter or he's more determined to not, give in or capitulate to whatever Jabert's Jabert's getting ready to do mm-hmm. like and and have a like you said just have a little have a little backbone just like a little bit like fight a little bit for something that your father started and that he made you head of like, right fight fucking fight is like you have to really you have to show some kind of struggle or some some kind of initiative to try to save this thing but he's just like I mean, he's just like, yeah, whatever. Okay, Matthew, you start your thing. Jaber, you can have all this shit. I'm just going to go over here in the corner and suck my thumb. No, get your ass up. Yeah, I, I think he let his emotions get too involved because he should have really been like, you know what, Matthew? Go ahead, start your own scion. And then he went back to the crankish like, yeah, I told Matthew he could start his own scion. What are y'all going to do about it? <laughs> I mean, with the Claremont. But that's not the route he chose to take. Because and he even, let his own emotions get evolved. 
even in this episode, when he's talking to Jabert, when he goes in and he starts to say, you know, about the congregation, he was like, my father, he had no emotion in that. It was just kind of like you're repeating the same thing that we have been hearing for the last three seasons. But I feel like I think the character is too, too controlled, too much in control. You know what I'm saying? It's like you get no emotion. You get no reaction from him. Even Baldwin season one and two, when he was trying to keep his emotions under control, you can see at least a little bit of something on his face. He had an expression. He had a way of looking or listening and it made you still feel like okay yeah he's listening and he's saying this one thing but he's thinking another like I felt like there was a little bit more I don't know there was there was just more to the character than we've seen this season and it disappoints me because that could have been a really good interesting dynamic between these two brothers because even with the way things have gone like I said in the last episode I feel like we've seen more of Matthew kind of wanting to build that bridge with Baldwin. You see it in like little moments. And I felt it just that one moment when they had their meeting and he asked Matthew about what it was like seeing Philippe again. That's the only time I really felt some true connection or emotion to the character. But everything after that is just kind of like, I, th- I think writing may may have had something to do with it. Like, I'd be interested to see how many different writers they've had on this because it's like we completely ignored the fact that he had created an alliance with Agatha. Like, mm-hmm. they just totally went out the window. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, not an alliance, but he owed her a favor. We had an understand. Yeah. They had an understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he he was he would be able, he was in a position to rely on Agatha's support. You know. And it's, it's interesting to see how it just seems like Jabir undermined it without actually undermining it. Like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing in the show to support the demons changing their position. Right. Except for the fact yeah. that those two particular demons, we don't hear from it. Like, I don't think those demons have ever uttered a word in the whole the, three yeah, seasons. The, that's what I'm saying. It's like, they still have they still have it. They just kind of got up, nodded their head walked and walked out. out. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I I'm sorry. <clears throat> I have a theory. Um, what I was I'm thinking the demons have to know how Gerber feels about them. Like I'm sure he doesn't he doesn't hide his feelings about anything about anyone. He should Absolutely they should not. know how much of a a vamp supremacist that he is. Like he sees everybody as being beneath vampires. He's like screw all y'all. Mm-hmm. We're better than you, and I know we're better than you. I'm only tolerating you. So I'm, I'm I have to wonder if maybe the maybe the demons are finally tired of this shit and maybe it, Agatha told him she was like look because the demons as we've discussed are among the smartest of the creatures like they're brilliant most of them are brilliant in one way or another so you have to think that maybe Agatha told them they were like look Jabert's going to come for you to try to get you to turn on me Go ahead and tell him, yeah, because I have some stuff brewing. But go ahead and tell him. So I don't, I don't think that they really turned on Agatha. I think they're just kind of following along, trying to see what's going to happen next, and that it's 
that maybe maybe it is part of a plan to Agatha brood up because I just don't I just, I don't see them just kowtowing to Jerbear knowing that he's a fucking bigot. Like I just don't see it. Like as far as far as them finally getting to see at the table and having having pride about being a demon and being heard. I just don't see them just giving that all away now. And and, 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 the, and the fact that Agatha has been able to actually gain power as a demon on the right. congregation, it doesn't make any sense for them to all of a sudden turn on her. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, y'all haven't been able to do anything. Y'all haven't had any ability to get any concession in any way. And finally, Agatha has started to usurp the, I was going to say it, but what did you say earlier? The vamp. Um, vamp supremacy. The white, white vampire patriarchy. Yes, that right there. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's finally been able to to make headway on it. And y'all are going to turn, they've been in the council just as much as she has been. And they let her as a bear say all that stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So exactly. I, I kind of, I think Mike, you might be on something that maybe she's, I agree. you know, trying to buy some time for right. them to figure out what to do. But I, 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 it doesn't make any sense for them to capitulate to anything that Jabir will offer. Right. It, it yeah. makes no sense. That, that will require right. them to lose power that they've already gained. That they fought to gain. That right. they, they battled and tried to get. If they, they've got, as high as they've gotten, there's, there's no point to give all that up i mean why there's no right. there's absolutely no reason for them to do that none and and the fact that he would even want to push agatha out would be the reason you would want to keep her <laughs> like that means he's a threat to him mm-hmm. right yep exactly. i agree i agree mike you you got something there i think mm, so he's on something oh, sticky, sticky mm-hmm. now. yep yeah <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I just it, it didn't make any sense to me. But I, I'm, that's why I'm so looking forward to this last episode. I just want I want Jabari to get his comeuppance, like from everybody, like and just like I'm so sick of him now. And plus, like in the previews for the for the finale, you see him talking to Isabo. That's so bad. One is just Isabo just go like like do an Omni Man and just go and knock her head and knock his head off. I think even more than wanting Baldwin to do away with uh, Jaber, I want it to be Isabel. I want Isabel to find out that Jaber yeah. was the one. And something tells me Dominica was going to be the one to let that slip, especially since he's gone to Baldwin. Like, hey, okay, so. I don't particularly like you, but I, I dislike you less than I dislike him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a feeling that information is going to be made known to Baldwin and to Isabel. And I really want to, yeah, what you just said, let Isabel just kind of slizz you. I, I want to see that so bad. I'm speaking it into existence. We we said it with Sarah and Knox and we got it. So let's get the same. Name it and claim it, sister. Name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. Hallelujah. That would be even (laughs) more satisfying for me. Just like Lori always says, we need Domenico to go ahead and run, go to set to a run tell that to Isabeau and like get that done. Yeah, I'm with you. Just do this. Mm -hmm. That would be just lovely. It needs to happen. It it needs to happen. Um. 
Okay, so I guess we need to talk about this Matthew and Benjamin fight at the end of the episode. Man, I love this fight. I love I love the part where they're in the room and all you see is them going back and forth and like sparks flying and shit. Like that was just a, that was that was aesthetically pleasing. This whole episode was very aesthetically pleasing to me. I think this, I mean, just that like seeing them fight and move fast, it reminded me of what was that? What what show was that? It was um what if when when the when the soul when the stone soul stone was on the ground and in the in the final episode where they were fighting and you see it being kicked and stuff, yeah. it's like you see them going back and forth really fast. Like that's what it kind of reminded me of. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, you really saw like like Benjamin is strong as fuck, but Matthew is on an entirely different level. Like the part where he clawed Matthew's face and Matthew threw him down the hall. Then he turned slowly. You could see him. He see see the scratch marks healed. Then he turned towards him. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you know what, Matthew, he toyed with his food a little too long because I thought the same thing. I was like, when you first saw him, he should like as soon as he saw Benjamin. Why is he not dead? Like, because I think he wanted to hear the confession from Benjamin about what happened with Philippe. I think he needed to hear that to know that's exactly what happened because yeah you have the watch and you have your suspicions but i think matthew needed to hear that like oh okay any doubts that i had about putting this nail in your coffin yeah i need those doubts to be gone and he got it but i think that fight went a little bit too long and he i don't want to say he pulled his punches because i don't think he did because you have to think about it Matthew is fighting with a lot of rage, but so is Benjamin. Benjamin is fighting with several hundred years worth of rage. Whereas Matthew, remember, he converted Benjamin and then basically forgot about him. So he hasn't had the rage build up the same way Benjamin has. So yeah, I expected the fight to be a little bit balanced. Because you have Matthew who is kind of like, yo, you're just, you are just a, a nuisance at this point. I just need to get rid of you. And you have Benjamin who has all of this rage and frustration. And then you can also hear in the conversation a little bit of hurt too. Like you made me this, you turned me and just left me to fend for myself. Do you know what that was like? You know, because again, yeah. before all of that happened, Matthew and Benjamin were friends. Benjamin was a friend to the DeClaremont family. And then he betrayed them when he decided, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not about to back y'all with what y'all about to do. So Matthew, again, I said this before, he created Benjamin out of spite, out of pettiness, and he did so irresponsibly. And the result of that irresponsibility is that you have a pretty pissed off vampire who has been torturing witches for centuries, trying to achieve something that he heard about. And now that he knows, like he said, what's the, what was the purpose of destroying somebody who was miserable? Now you're happy. You have achieved something that, only, as far as we know, has only happened one other time in history. And now Benjamin is like, yeah, you know what? I'm about to kill you and take it away from you. Yeah, he's pissed. Yeah. I and just, it makes for I... an interesting fight. 
but Matthew should have ended that shit way before it got to the point where he's about to, and then Satu comes in with her magic and fucks everything up. Yep, you made the classic mistake of talking and not doing what he's supposed to do. He didn't you're watch The Incredibles. Again. Yep, you're monologuing again. <laughs> I, I say that I say that all the time. I'm like, y'all have TV in this day and age. It's, 20, it's 2023 in the discovery of Witch's Time. I know you guys have The Incredibles. I Come on now. Why monologue? Just... <laughs> it kind of answers, sort of answers the question, or may answer the question, how benjamin was able to capture philippe um maybe he had help from witches yeah 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 i think we mentioned that in the last episode because jaber i mean think about it too jaber had a witch in thrall at that point so who knows what he could have done he he could have gotten the witches on his side with meridiana's help somehow Mm -hmm. So right. there, there's just so much that we don't know about that whole thing. And I doubt if we're ever going to get that backstory show wise, but I think we got enough to know he was behind it. He's been manipulating all of this for so long because he wanted to be the head of the congregation and he wants to get rid of the Declaremonts. And again, we still don't know why he was so hell bent on the Declaremonts. We may find that out in the next episode, especially since. He's going to be in a scene with Isabel. We may find out that, yeah, that was a unrequited love thing or whatever the case may be. And, At this and point, haven't, haven't they mentioned Vampire Wars before? I, think, I don't think so. I, I think, think so. No, there's think, no Vampire Wars. but I'm sure? Yeah, Mm-mm. I'm sure. But, but mm. see, here's, here's the thing. From the book perspective, and I'm not going to say what it is, but they're missing a huge chunk that is just Yisabo and and, and Jaber. There's a whole section that explains everything we're going to see in the in the next episode that's going to make a lot of sense because uh, again, Jaber he was in love with Yisabo and I'm trying to remember again you know I'm right yeah this is another plot point that she drops in the book so there's a lot of things that we don't get a conclusion. And like I said, I, when I finished the book, I was like, really? I mean, it's like, it's got this gorgeous imagery. It's got this gorgeous passage of, of this writing. And then certain things just drop. So he was in love with her in the book. He was in love with her in the book, but there, but I'm not going to go into any further than that, but there, there, it, it didn't have anything to do with Philippe. Okay. Uh, it, it deal okay. Let me just put this in there. Yisabo, before she was turned into a vampire, was a witch. Yes, you mentioned that before. Okay, yes, she was a witch, and it had something to do with how she became a vampire. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Okay, so maybe we'll get some of that in the last episode. Maybe not. I'm. I don't know, but. Point blank. Let's just say Jaber needs to die. Benjamin needs to die. And I just, again, like I said, I feel like that fight, although it was a good fight, it went on a little bit too long. Like Matthew, I think, I feel like Matthew was maybe a little bit overconfident about defeating Benjamin. Like, yeah, I, I think he could defeat Benjamin because technically speaking, he's the he's the older vampire, you know. But he let that go for too long 
And then for Satu, like I said, to show up at the end to kind of incapacitate Matthew and then help Benjamin, even after she realized what Benjamin had done, because when she's standing in the room, she can feel the power of the witches that were there previously. And she says, what did you do? And he says, nothing of your concern. I would have turned around, choked his ass and walked out. Mm -hmm. But I think she really is determined to go against Diana to see which one of them is more powerful. I don't know what it is about this power that she wants or she thinks she's entitled to have or she deserve I, I don't know what that's what that backstory is for her but she's gonna go after diana and she's using matthew as bait and i'm just sorry that's not gonna work out well for any of them because we see it in the previews for next episode you've got diana you've got miriam who is already pissed off like miriam was pissed off the moment diana walked in the room and said that matthew left to take off after Benjamin herself, did you see? She was looking like this motherfucker did what? And then when Diana was delegating who was going to do what, Miriam was like, Well, what about the rest of us? And Diana was like, I need you to stay here and protect Rebecca and Philip. Mir- Miriam, the look on her face, she was like, You have me on babysitting duty? Really? Which <laughs> I guess kind of makes sense because I'm sorry, I, I have to say this again. If I have to choose Miriam or Marcus to protect my children, I'm going with Miriam. That's just it. I, I, I love Marcus as a character, but I'm going with Miriam because we know Miriam is diligent. We know she's fierce and we know Miriam don't take shit from nobody. So yeah, I will leave my children with you too. But I think in that preview for the next episode, Miriam was like, oh, you're not leaving me behind. No. So we, we know Diana is going Miriam yeah, is going. She's like the first. She's like doing the first. So one. yeah, this is was who were the other was it was two other people on the helicopter as well, right? Was it Marcus and who else? I don't remember, but I mean, yeah, I don't. They, I'm gonna be honest with the way Diana is probably pissed right now. She probably don't need no help. Let's be honest. She, don't need she probably can deal with Satu with one hand and Benjamin with the other. And come out of there without breaking a sweat. But it's going to have to be challenging because I don't see where they would write Satu and Diana and it be an uneven fight. I mean, granted, I don't think Satu is going to be as powerful as Diana, but she's got to be pretty powerful now that she knows she's a weaver and she's actually trained with her grandmother to control her weaver magic. So... I feel like that'll be a little bit more balanced. But again, Diana is coming pissed off. You don't took the father of her children. She's about to get in somebody's ass and it's not going to be a pretty sight. And she has whatever is going on with her with the book of life. We don't know what the book of life did with her. Yeah, it gave her information, but we don't know if it's given her any kind of extra power. We don't know. But I know one thing. Whatever this 10th knot is, this knot of creation and destruction, Diana's about to pull it out in this last episode because you can't mention it for the last few episodes and then it not be a factor in this final battle. So, yeah, shit's about to hit the fan and I'm waiting for it. This is what I need to see next episode. I need to see Jabir die. I need to see Benjamin die. Satu... (sighs) 
I don't think I want her dead, but I do need her to understand that she is not who she thinks she is in the series or in the grand scheme of things. She is not the one. She's not the one. Mm-mm. She's not the one. Um, Hold on. I got it right here. Um, Miriam and she has oh shit. Is Baldwin, Diana, Gallo Glass, and Matthew. Oh, Baldwin. Okay, so oh, okay. So in that and Matthew? Baldwin grew a pair. And Matthew? Yeah. Well, you know, Matthew is Matthew is kind of there. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew, Gallo Glass, Diana, and Baldwin. You and mean Marcus. Marcus. You mean Marcus? Marcus. Okay. Marcus. I'm okay. sorry, Marcus. Yeah. Okay. So if Baldwin is there, then yes. Yeah. Okay. In that case, I I need Baldwin to because because Baldwin Baldwin saw that watch. Saw Saw Felix watch and was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need Baldwin to take care of I'm gonna need Baldwin to take care of Benjamin and then admit that he was wrong about every goddamn thing. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna need that that admission. Well, remember remember what they said. They said that as Philippe's only remaining true born or full blooded son, full blooded son. Baldwin is gonna get in that ass. I mean, you know, he he he's wrong about a lot of things, but I think at the end of the day, I think that Baldwin is going to in in just the memory of his father because you have to remember, Philippe died horribly. Yep. He died really, 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 really bad, mm-hmm. and that kind of pain, you know, is 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 just heart wrenching because they had to watch it. Going back, just one little thing. You forget, well, two little things. One, as far as the fight is concerned, you have to remember uh, how much has Matthew been feeding? Has Matthew been feeding? Because remember, he has this thing about not feeding. If if Benjamin's been feeding way more than he's going to have more yep. strength. Second point, Satu. Remember, Diana has, quote unquote, all the witch talents. How many talents does Satu naturally have? Does she have one, two, three? Does she have all eight or nine or 10 oh. of them? Mm-hmm. So that can also go in on a fight on power set and levels right because we know diana can do the what is it though the witch fire she can do the witch wind she can do the witch water well, she has all all four yeah elements. but we don't we don't know if satu has any of that well you know she's a fire witch so she has fire and she's yeah. a weaver so those are the only two we know so I'm so ready for it. I'm I'm ready for the finale, but at the same time, I'm not because the show is over after that. We won't have this show, and this is this is one of the few shows that we have covered literally from the beginning. You know, three full seasons. Right. We don't know what's going on. Oh, okay. Before we end, we have to talk about the whole Marcus and Phoebe thing because oh, I feel some. Oh, we came up again because I feel some kind of way about this because with all of this going on it's obvious now at least from the way that they've had the conversation that they have had this this chat about phoebe becoming a vampire and i don't know i just feel like marcus i don't something about the way that he comes across with her it's almost like he doesn't want her to become a vampire. He doesn't want to be with her, but he doesn't know how to tell her this. And I know that's that whole vampire. No, I don't want you to damn your soul. I don't, you know, I want you to understand what you're going to get yourself into, whatever. But you're saying this to her 
a person who has been dealing with all of this vampire stuff now for what a little over a year probably almost two years at this point like if she hasn't backed out by now knowing that if any one of these vampires decide okay you know what let's get rid of the humans that's part of this little faction she could be dead if she hasn't jumped shit by now dude you need to go ahead and make these arrangements so that she can go ahead and turn and be done with this because she can also be a help for all this mess that they're doing i think that this shows a lot of a lot of maturity and responsibility from marcus though i mean he's not just saying turn me into vampire he's like all right okay okay here there you go you're a vampire he's like all right this is really like this is some importance like this is there's no turning back from this shit like he's taking his time and not rushing into it and i can appreciate that i can appreciate and it too I, but you don't think they've I'm already not- had this i mean we haven't seen it but given the way the conversation went she was like we've already discussed this we agreed so they've already had these discussions you don't think this this yeah, question but- or this stuff has come up before like that's not a decision that you take very lightly to just decide to hey i'm gonna go ahead and end my life and become this immortal vampire yeah but you also have to look at the like they're i mean with all the shit they're going through it's like the last thing they need to be doing is trying to transform her it's like you have to go through her possibly becoming bloodlusted and deal with that you got to deal with her feeding for the first time. You got you got to deal with a whole lot of stuff after turning her. And it's like they really don't. They ain't got time for that. They have no time for that because they just became a scion. They just introduced new knights of Lazarus. They have Jerber breathing down her neck. They have Benjamin breathing down her neck. They have all this shit going on. They don't have time. They to have less time right to deal with if all she- of that. Trying to also protect a human. She's more of a distraction now as a human. Then she would be as a vampire because think about it. As far as her being bloodlusted or blood rage, that would only come if someone from Isabel's line changes her. And we already know based on what the, the information that Lori has told us, that can't happen because then technically she would be a declaremont. I just think it's okay, but the, I mean the, it, it could, you know what, Hanukkah? It could be they are worried about who would turn her because then technically you know she's gonna marry marcus technically she's someone's child now and it's not a declaremont family child because remember unlike other vampires when these people make vampires their dna splits yeah we we discussed this in the last episode yeah right yeah yeah so it's gonna come down to who do they trust because let's anthony and i already said this fernando well yeah but well see okay i consider fernando to be a declaremont even though they have the 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 scion i I, i'm more concerned about he's not a declaremont no well not by blood no yeah yeah Uh, we're talking about we're talking about blood like the blood is is what changes yeah so okay we already know isabel matthew Marcus, those are the three in Isabel's line that have the blood rage gene. Geraldine and Ransom also. So we already know none of them are going to change her. Okay. So at this point, okay. it's either no, it has to be Fernando because Gallo Glass can't even change her because Gallo Glass is technically mm-hmm. a declaremont. Declaremont. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 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 let me let me throw this out there. We ha- there's one thing that we haven't seen as far as the vampires are concerned. We haven't seen 
another or a mention of another powerful vampire family. Okay, we just know that the Claremonts. If there's another family out there that's somewhat aligned with the, the Claremonts, that might make more sense. But they're not going to introduce that to us in the last episode well, I, I know, of the I season. Know, I, not I only just the season, but the series as well. The only way they can do that is if at this point they introduce it as part of that quote unquote backdoor pilot to the spinoff that's going to be Marcus and Phoebe because here's the thing too at this point I feel like they have to announce that they are doing a spinoff because they are talking too much about the fact that Phoebe wants to turn for them to not address it in this final episode and then if you if you address it in the final episode what you turn her for half the episode and then that's it like you gave us all of this lead up for the third season just for us to see her turn and then nothing comes from it. I don't think plus the backdoor pilot and then last season when it was just the Phoebe and Marcus episode. Yeah, they they yeah. I, I feel like they they re, if they're gonna announce it, they need to announce it quick. They're probably because gonna do it right as the last episode airs, probably, probably. not, not to change to. the subject, but there is one other vampire that could turn her. Miriam. I'm gonna go. Oh, this is yeah. true. Miriam could turn. This is true. But I think we talked about that in the last episode too. And I I think I remember saying, I'm not sure that Miriam would do it, but I can't remember why I I thought that she wouldn't do it. But I mean, or, you know, Domenico finds his redemption and, you know, maybe. I mean, he's he's already talked to Baldwin. So it's like, I mean, maybe. you You know how Domenico is about favors. Domenico like Domenico likes gathering, likes collecting favors. So he's like, yeah, I'll turn her. But you know what? I feel like Domenico was collecting the favors, trying to do what he was trying to do as far as you know, undermining Jabert and getting back Venice and just kind of securing his spot in the vampire hierarchy. But now that he's fully gone against Jabert, I don't think that's I don't think that's something that because I mean, I think him getting favors is part of his personality. I think that's who he is. It's like he likes having he likes having things that he can hold above people's heads. I think that's basically that's part of. But who I, he is. but again, too, we have to remember, like Lori said, whoever sires Phoebe will be responsible for her transition and her training, for lack of better words, as a vampire. And I don't think Domenico will want to tie himself down or connect himself to the family in that way. Like there's no benefit to him in that sense. That's why I feel like Fernando would make a better choice because one, Fernando, even though we don't get to see it on the screen, we know that the whole family has spent time together. Fernando knows who Phoebe is, probably knows that she is serious about this commitment to Marcus. And I think that he would be more willing to be there and to help guide her through her transition than say Domenico would, or maybe even Miriam. Miriam is too. See, I, I disagree. I think Miriam would be ideal too, because it would give her an opportunity to, for the first time, not be, not be so caught up in being there for Matthew. Like the, re- the reason she's with Matthew is because her mate told her to look after Matthew. And that's what she's been doing for the majority of her life. Mm-hmm. So this would give her an opportunity to actually be, you know, 
I don't want to say mother, but it it would give her an opportunity to do something other than be there for Matthew. Right. You know, to, to give her someone that she could look after, take care of, and and not be this research scientist doctor, to actually be like have a life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I think Fernando would be ideal too because he's such a loving and caring, you know be there for you type of person mm-hmm. he'd be perfect too but i think miriam would be just as ideal too yeah because who better to teach another scientist because that's what she is she's a historian but mm-hmm. she's also sort of a scientist a, a, a scholarly person to talk to her about what she should do and what she needs to do and you know all the vampire things she needs to know who else to explain that who else better to explain that to her than someone who's like her it would be miriam yeah i'm looking at this in the background when matthew was dragging benjamin out of that room by the scruff of his neck that's when he should have killed him that's when he should have bothered dragging him out of the room he just killed him on the spot right right yeah but you know benjamin was doing the best he can to hold out waiting for Satu. Yeah. Now I will say this, this, this scene after we see that Satu is there when she's in the room and she's silhouetted and it's dark and it just kind of lights. I was getting very, uh, I was getting some very Morticia Adams type vibes from her with the hair and the dress. I thought that that was a really cool shot of her. And then of course, you know, Benjamin comes in and kind of messes the whole thing up but I I kind of agree with you Anthony I think what they've done with Satu it was just kind of like they could have done more with her character it you know I, I won't say it was a waste but I feel like that character could have been so much more and again we have talked about different things that could have affected you know the writing of the show because of COVID you know, that could have changed the way they did some things. The fact that it's only a 10 episode series, or excuse me, seven episodes, it should have been 10. But, you know, I think they could have done more if they if they had gone ahead and given us a, a 10 episode final season like they did with the other two seasons. We could We probably could have gotten a lot more of these questions that we have answered. But again, I, I really hope that they do announce a spinoff so that we can see more of the Marcus Phoebe stuff. Because I feel like even though we know that their relationship has grown in this series, I feel like we didn't see enough of it. Again, I, I like them together. I'm just not, I'm just not like overly invested in their relationship because it's almost like every time we see them in the episode, things have gotten more and more and more serious, but we don't really get to see that. So maybe if they do a spinoff, we'll get to see what happened in between all of the other stuff that's going on in the show and then whatever their story is. Well, uh, and the other the other thing is, is that there, I know they kind of did like a quick solve of the whole blood rage question, but there's also the question of, you know, when they finally really go into more of the book than they have is explaining the the breakdown of each of the creatures right mm-hmm. and the other thing is is that if you're gonna go to all this to show ransom and and, and geraldine i think that was her name yeah i know i pronounce names uh if you're gonna go and devote an episode to them this season 
you have to do something because like mm-hmm. I said, they're not in the third book at all. So obviously they're in Times Covenant, which is the first part of the next right. uh, trilogy book. So we we're to me, it seems like they're wasting uh, precious time showing us stuff that we may not necessarily get to see if they don't announce a spinoff. Because mm-hmm. they could have used that hour to, for example, in the book, the first part of the book, they're not at Septor. They're back in New York at the, at the house. And there's a whole awesome thing that happens with them at the house that they never even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a whole witch's community that comes together around Sarah. We don't get to see that. Yeah, you I'm mentioned not- that last. There, the, mm-hmm. the other thing is that there are people who help them in London we haven't even seen her. They're not even going to bring into the show, which is a shame because there's one witch in particular that if they brought her in, it would have made so much more sense on a few things that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, I know you've got time constraints. I know there was COVID. I know you had actor schedules because even in our regular shows, we're seeing uh, people who you don't normally see together do scenes or doing scenes and then you don't see this or if they have a crowd there's only like five or six people in the crowd because they're doing COVID so we're mm-hmm. not seeing our normal flow of shows you know SWAT being one of them but, but my thing is is that uh, the way that they've had to film these and you have to remember uh, Teresa Palmer when she was filming this she was pregnant with her fourth child mm-hmm. so they had that to deal with too I mean, she had her two girls back to back. Yeah. So when she was filming season two and season three, pregnant both times. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I was watching the the brief trailer again, and now I see why y'all said the watch because they do show a freeze frame mm-hmm. of Benjamin holding, you know, and pointing to the watch. So they must have been what they show Baldwin, like, look at that. But how would they know about the watch? But anyway, or maybe Baldwin froze it. So we'll see. Diana probably would have known. Yeah. And also, I find it very interesting that Benjamin should would, is going to be in trouble because I think Galloglass, Baldwin, and Miriam are all older than him. So, yeah, he he's <laughs> he's in trouble. All right. <laughs> All right, first of all, it does it doesn't matter if anyone else knows about the watch. Baldwin knows about yeah. the watch. And they're like, why is it then someone's gonna ask, why is he pointing at his watch? He's like, It's my father's watch. You must find the No, you're you're saying that with so, a little I more mean, emotion than this Baldwin would emote. So I'm 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 hoping that the, that seeing the watch evokes more emotion from him, like pulls it from him, like gives him some emotion. Don't you even do it. Don't you even do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Okay, but yes, I'm hoping that seeing the watch actually brings out what we've been looking for Mm -hmm. in Baldwin this whole damn season. Like pulls some emotion out of him. I mean, it has to because I think because he has because he hasn't seen the watch. It's like he hasn't seen the watch since Mm -hmm. his father wore it. So if he sees Benjamin with it taunting him while he has has Matthew in the back slowly being drained of blood. Maybe that'll kick something in where he's like not only drained of blood, but he's pumping something into Matthew too. He says a concoction of my own design. So whatever it was that he, I think he used that on Philippe as well. So that may have contributed to Philippe's um, weakness and inability to 
fight his way out of the predicament he was in and then and, probably and his, also his contributed yeah and contributed to his mental state as well so also also the way miriam kicked that door down i don't know if anyone's gonna be able to come between her and benjamin <laughs> to be honest I'm, with you. I'm... especially thinking about the promise she made to her mate so that's that's gonna be wants to shred yeah. somebody she get ready oh, to shred somebody like like they're lot. so like all of the people who are there they have so many reasons to go after benjamin you know with all of this stuff yeah benjamin is not making it out of this episode alive i just i don't know why i don't know why marcus is there i think he's out of his league <laughs> i don't know maybe oh, maybe we'll, we'll see. see maybe we'll see a side of marcus we haven't been allowed to see in the last three seasons i don't know well, i mean marcus marcus is a doctor so i mean they so need miriam. a medic so is miriam <laughs> yeah but no no different and miriam is yeah no i think it's different she's a scientist oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh marcus is an actual medical he's a doctor surgeon. he's an er doctor so oh, okay. yeah yeah so yeah but that, that would be interesting because they've all got like five six seven eight hundred years on him right <laughs> he's just yeah did did anyone notice uh the the thing when and this is not in the book i found it very interesting how he when he made the deal with the demons and they said that agatha is out now we need to get a resolution to that because i want to see a scene where she tells them to go you know somewhere over yonder when they tell her that she's no longer in charge Who's going to tell her that? I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind I of still, agree I with still. Mike's theory that I don't think the demons would turn on Agatha like that. Like, they have too much at stake right. to, to fall in line with Jaber, who, like, said. openly treats them like something on the bottom of his shoe. I kind of agree with Mike. Like, they probably were like, okay, yeah, and they probably went scurrying right back to mm-hmm. Agatha and said, okay. yo, okay. this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And she's probably got her own thing going on to the side but yeah i and then there's margaret the baby are we going to get a resolution about the baby being a witch born a demon we'll probably just no. see them reunite at we, the end of the episode no, and that's can, probably no. about it you, you could just you could just write that off yeah they only put that, they they only, all that they only, yeah they only put that on the show just to prepare you for dan to be pregnant that that, mm. that was the only yeah I, we'll probably see like once everything is is said and done we will probably see nate and sophie and margaret come back and reunite with agatha and that's probably going to be yeah. that's probably going to be the the extent of what we see going on with that Ma- margaret served her purpose yeah okay 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 i'm just excited because uh, first of all it has to be a longer than normal episode and and two weeks ago it didn't hit until like three o'clock my time when usually it hits about eight or nine in the morning so i'm like okay how long is it gonna take so i'm, I'm excited i really 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 want this to be like a two-hour episode I, yeah I, mm, we probably nah. will not get a two-hour episode mm-hmm. but um usually mm-hmm. it hits for me 3 a.m because usually um the way that they do it they it hits 3 a.m on the east coast and at midnight on the west coast so that everybody can watch at the same time and not technically not spoil anybody because you know people are going to be tweeting about it and stuff like that um so yeah i think friday night i will probably be up (laughs) to watch 
um, before I go to sleep. But I, I don't know. I probably won't now that I think about it because I have a funeral to go to on Saturday, early Saturday morning. So I probably won't. But I'll probably watch uh-huh. it like when I get back on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But I know it's going to be hard because I'm going to be chomping at the bit to discuss it. And y'all aren't available on Saturday. So I got to wait until Sunday. Ugh. I need to physically recover myself because you do not want to ask me what I thought five minutes after I watch. I need to process. Yeah, it was. <sighs> did we talk about how satisfying it was for Peter Knox? Yes. To be invisible? Yeah, I know we did. I'm just saying it again because it's on in the background and I'm just he looking at him control. talking about how he killed Emily. And he was like, it wasn't murder. It wasn't even self-defense. It was pest control. I was like, oh, it was pest man. control. I'm actually looking at the same part. Yeah, I'm on so the same I... part. I'm on the exact same and part. And then when he was like, like just oh like with God. Rebecca and Steven, I think that, I don't think Diana ever told Sarah that Knox was the one who killed Rebecca and Steven. So I feel like this was the first time she heard it and then when he said it, Sarah was like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, you about to die. I don't like dabbling in higher magic, but I'm about to do it for your ass. And then you see later on in the episode, she tells Diana, she was like, I don't ever want to feel that again. Like, yeah, this is I was jealous of M and Rebecca doing the higher magic. But no, that's not that. I don't want that kind of power. I don't want that kind of responsibility. You know, the the power that you can destroy someone. It showed that she was human. Yeah. You know, not a monster because Knox wouldn't have thought two different ways about it. Yeah. All the yeah. episodes have been 45 minutes. So mm. it's going to be 45 minutes, probably. Mm. <sighs> they got to give us a little bit. I love at the end after you get scattered and Sarah just goes, right. Like, like, and scene. Sarah's <laughs> dusting her shoulders off. She's like, whatever. Hell yeah. That shit was awesome. Beautiful. Okay, can we talk about how Diana became, like, manic, like, doing the sketches for Chris and Chris and Phoebe, like, just, just sitting there, like, throwing sketches at, uh, throwing sketches off like she was freaking, like, she was in a beautiful mind, like, just. You know, off. it reminded me, it's so funny because my, uh, my son has been watching vampire diaries this week or he's been watching vampire diaries for the last couple of months because he stopped watching it like around season four so now he's starting to get caught up so we're in you know he's in season seven he was over here for a few days so i sat down and watched some episodes with him and there is a vampire hunter in season seven and she's doing the same thing like she's doing all these drawings about these different uh vampires that need to be killed and exterminated and i was like am am i seeing it like is this a is this a theme is this a trope but seeing her doing all of this and miriam and chris are reading what she's doing they're like this is brilliant but they don't tell us what's brilliant about it like tell us what's on the pages tell me what's in the book of life we've been hearing about this book for three seasons i want to know more than what diana told us in her little trance yeah, Give they're all connected. More. They're Give all connected. That that's it. They're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for real, it's, it's brilliant. Like, I mean, they're, thank they're, you for showing us she's, she's the obvious. Like, all like, she's like frazzled, like like sketching, like like literally frazzled, and her hair's all wild and shit. And it's like, 
it, it kind of reminds it almost reminds me of the artist in Heroes, the first season, well, mm-hmm. first episode, because I don't think he lasted much further than that. Like he was like he sketched a few he could he could like paint pictures of the future what's gonna happen in the future. Like kind of reminded me of that too. Like it was just like or it reminded me of my guy in um Real Genius, the movie I'll be doing for my birthday. Oh, <laughs> Shameless plug. She says our <laughs> history keeps revealing yeah. itself. Okay. What is he revealing, Dana? <laughs> We're all connected. I mean, she's she's under control of the book. It's like, you know, in the mummy, Rachel Weiss's character said, No harm can come from opening a book. You can well some manic crazedness can come from opening a book, apparently, because she just even though she gains control over it, looked, it looked like she was just like gone, like zoned out. Well, it's kind of one of those things. What we generally see when it comes to that particular like trope, she has so much information in her head. It's kind of like she's trying to get it all out oh, yeah. and it's causing that behavior because it's like you're all writers. We, we know what it's like to have an idea in our head and have like an outline or story or a plot. And you got to get it written down before you forget it. Like, oh, I know exactly how this character is supposed to be with this. And you have to get it written down or else it's not going to like when you think about it later, you're kind of like, okay, so what was I thinking about such and such? And, you know, and I feel like that's what she's doing. Like she has all this stuff going on and she just has to write it down. And like Miriam says, this could be the key to everything. Like there could be so much in the book of life that helps them figure out what's going on with the creatures. There may be something in there that explains the whole thing about the blood rage, even though it has more so to do with the humans. I mean, if you really think about it, a human is a creature too. So there could be stuff about the humans in the book of life. So so what I think has sort of happened is the language or whatever whatever the text that was in the book of life it, it absorbed into her in order for her to uh, put it in modern terms. She's like a cipher. Yeah. 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 I, I think that whatever we find out, I think the biggest thing is that like a lot of magical shows is that when you absorb the power, you have, like you said, get rid of it before it burns out or you lose it. But I also think that the thing is, is that she wants to make sure that it gets out to all three different types of creatures so that they all have the same information at the same time because if you give the vampires the information first what are they going to do they're going to scratch it out they're going to erase it they're going to edit whatever you give it to the witches strong possibility they'll do the same thing the demons they'll just take it as face value and just go to the congregation so it's not so much of that of that as getting it out there as quickly as possible my random thought was you know, shout out to Isabel and Martha for having parchment paper lying around for her to write on because, you know, God forbid <laughs> they get some college rule loose leaf notebook paper. See, you see, see, I'm that's not some, even fair. Have some grid, have some grid paper hanging around. What about Septor makes you think that they would have modern paper? Nothing about, of course not. nothing that's about so Isabel would up. not ever put her finger on regular notebook paper she's only going to use no. parchment paper and quill and ink okay period. see okay anthony, <laughs> exactly. anthony you're wrong about Isabel. you want to know why in the book she's addicted to her phone well well we're not talking about <laughs> the, because you had, 
Yeah, no, because even in because even in this show, when she was, I think when she was talking to Miriam when the twins were being bored, she was on a landline. No, no, she's addicted to her iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's in the book. Yeah. When I t- but I, in like, the show, okay. they have very purposefully kept Isabel very old fashioned right, in this in the thing. But see, here's mm-hmm. the thing: you can know that because uh, I'm two examples. One that had me cracking up when you when they I forget what they were doing, but when they walk out of a room, there's a pile of wood just laying on the floor. Again, old school. Just randomly, there's a pile of wood. The other thing is that it was Marta, and it was just about when Jack came in a couple episodes ago and when the rest of them, they all said, come through. That's so Downton Abbey mm-hmm. right there. I was like, oh, that's Downton Abbey. And guess and who was on Downton Abbey? Matthew, Matthew Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just thought that, but yeah, no, they, I wish they could have incorporated a few different more things because I think it would have uh, rounded out, but we're going to get a very satisfying uh, ending to, to the series. And again, we've said this, if they don't, give us a spinoff i'm going to be pissed i mean it won't stop me from buying the dvds because i will because the only show that ever didn't stick the landing and i didn't buy the dvds was lost girl lost girl oh i was pissed the way it ended i didn't even finish lost girl i think i stopped somewhere at the beginning of season five so you didn't miss much okay (laughs) trust me but yeah, no, they, they've got to stick the landing on this because it's such a magical uh, series, uh, book-wise, TV-wise. I mean, it, you, know, it, you know, it's it's basically, it is RCW for adults. But at the same time, it's smart, it's funny, it's modern. You don't get bored with it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I'm looking at the trailer for the next episode and yeah. When Baldwin walks in and they're like, what is he doing here? And Diana says, I asked him to come. We need Baldwin's help to find Matthew. I think that's when Baldwin's going to see the watch. Because when she shows him the video, Benjamin says, I thought you want to say goodbye. And then he makes it a point to hold his arm up so she can see the watch. So, yeah, I think Diana probably knew about the watch. And that was why she called Baldwin like, okay, look, I need you to see if any of this looks familiar, if it makes sense. And oh yeah, because I and and I just played it again. Baldwin see like it's literally freeze framed like yeah, this on the freeze, laptop, and Baldwin looks and he's like, "Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is gonna be it's gonna be so satisfying. I feel it. I, There's not enough Benjamin to go around. <laughs> there, there isn't. There isn't. There isn't. So I'm kind of. I think at this point, because of the fact that we know Isabel is not going to where they have Matthew or to where he has Matthew, yeah, Baldwin is going to be the one to get in Benjamin's ass. I, I really feel it. they all might get a piece of him, but I feel like he's going to be the one to deliver the final blow. It's got to be Baldwin, and it's going to be so satisfying. Like I, I'm going to be like, Lori, if they don't stick this landing in this final episode, I am going to do a rant and I'm going to be so pissed. But something tells me, you know, for the most part, they've been pretty consistent with their writing on the show. And even the things that we nitpick about, I still feel like this is one of the better written shows on television. I don't think they will give us two points six seasons of episodes and then 
fuck it up on the finale. I don't think that's going to happen with this show. Don't jinx it. Because I can point you some shows. Plus, we're not we're not going to talk about those other shows. We're talking about this particular show. I think even just from what we've seen for the preview for next episode, I think we're all going to be pretty satisfied with what happens to end this show out. And like Laura said, we need a we need something about a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Marcus, Diana. Uh, Gal Glass and Dalton doing their like best superhero poses. Oh, don't forget Miriam. A, don't forget Miriam. And Mir- Miriam, Miriam was already her foot through the kicking the door, waving the four four. All you heard was Miriam, don't hit me no more. <laughs> Miriam was like, "Let's go, let's go." And yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm still, I still have it freeze framed on the back. Gala Glass says Benjamin's playing with you. He's practically told He's, you where he is. Right. Like, yeah, this is gonna be good. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. We only have a few more days. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's gonna be good. Yeah. Any uh final thoughts on episode six? Where um, can I give me some parchment paper? You can make some. Yeah, you could yeah, probably make some. You could. Yeah. yeah, my daughter actually makes paper from scratch. So yeah, there, there's. Um, yeah, we get you some. We get you some. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, if they're still together. in business, uh, papyrus uh, at the mall. Usually they're right next to Yankee Candle. They have paper too, but making it, you know, like Hanukkah said, you know, that's not hard. It's, it's just very time consuming. Yeah. Very yeah, just pop in a papyrus, get you an orange Julius while you're there, and an ant's pretzel, and you know. Look at this point, <laughs> I like would kill to go to the mall for an hour. I'm not a yeah, mall person. I, but... I'm not either, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I would mind. I would not mind taking about an hour spent. Stop by Hop Topic, you know, like you said, get an orange Julius. Stop by, you know, Panera. Just, just walk by, you know, I, Baton a Manager. Those are the two uh, things I, was, I want I, right now. I know what I want to say. Um, shout out to Domenico for giving the self-effacing laugh when he when he tells Baldwin asking what he wants. He's like surprisingly nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Like, did he say horrifically that thing? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was like, I don't even I know I don't recognize myself either. I was like, okay, Domenico. It was almost like he thought he was gonna catch catch on on fire for admitting it out loud. I mean, it was perfectly acted, right. you know. Exactly. But uh like who are you and what'd exactly. you do with Domenico? Right. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was beautiful. See that? That's that's gross. Oh, something that is. And you know, I will say it's it's a very surprising turn for a character that we were kind of like, yeah, he's just out for himself and blah blah blah. No, that really isn't like he said he felt like he was always doing the right thing, you know, maybe not by the best of means, but he was trying to do the right thing for everyone. You know, for all of the creatures, he was trying to make sure that it the, that the congregation was what it was supposed to be. And you know what? Honestly, after this episode, I can probably see him. I, and I think Anthony, you may have mentioned this a couple of uh, a couple of shows ago. I could actually see Domenico being the leader of the congregation, as long as he's you know in tune with it being very equal for everyone and more progressive now if they're talking about 
quote-unquote reform, meaning they're going back to their ancient ways, then nah, the, the congregation needs to be, I mean, yeah, it needs to be abolished. But if you're talking about true equality for all creatures and progressive advancement, you know, moving forward, you know, no more of the demons being ostracized and not being able to congregate with themselves or anyone else. No more of this. You stay in your lane. We stay in our, it, they, they've got to let that go. And if he's on board for doing that and doing it the right way, then yeah, I could easily see Domenico probably being head of the congregation. Um, especially if that is what his true purpose is. But Baldwin and Jabir, no, they both got to go. They both got to yeah, go. And now to the writers for writing such vitriolic language for Jabir so that when he's dead, you're like, good, good, get the fuck out of here. Like, I mean, for every all the bullshit that he, oh, like he was just spouting some like, like real rhetoric. And I'm, I'm sure that they meant to draw the line between like the way he feels about other creatures to how white supremacists feel about other races mm-hmm. just just to like trigger something where you're just like okay yeah they gotta go yeah Man, fuck fuck all that shit fuck all that bullshit and poor Dom- and he said when he said Domenico played his part well you can see Domenico like he played me me how'd I get played mm-hmm. do you know who I am yeah like yeah, yeah, he, I mean, he took that shit personally. I'm surprised he didn't go run tell that to everybody in the congregation. Like, like yeah, no, like, like I he's said, playing us, playing us. he's probably gonna let it slip to maybe Baldwin and Isabel. Although I don't, at this point, I don't think it's needed because if Baldwin is at set tour and he sees the video, that's all the motivation he's gonna need. I mean, you already talked to Baldwin. I mean, all he needs to do is talk to Isabel. Yeah. So um, one last thing I want to mention that trailer for next week, the shot of Baldwin, Diana, Gallo, Glass and Marcus in front of the helicopter. Why does it look like an album cover? <laughs> like they're all standing there and they've all got the same stance and they're all looking over to the left. I'm like, this is this is like an album cover. I don't know what the band would be called. Creatures United or something, but that's what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. Vamps and Scamps. I like that. Vamps and Scamps. That's cool. Seven Towers. Oh. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. That's nice. That would be good. And next up, from the Seven Towers, Destruction. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to come up with one after we go on, after we come off. I'm like, I'm like thinking like, there has to be one. Yeah. Better one. Okay. But yeah, that's just dope. Okay. So I guess that's it for this episode. Like I said, we've got the series finale. Coming in the next few days and you will get our reactions to that. But for now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can watch our videos on YouTube and listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. 